Rush Limbaugh today passed away at the age of 70 after a long battle with lung cancer. Many of you probably know who he is. He's one of the most influential people in the world, one of the most influential political personalities, and he revolutionized talk radio. He lost his life. And I got to say, I was never a fan of Rush Limbaugh. I'm not saying I didn't like him. I'm saying I never really listened to his show. A lot of people have been putting out messages saying rest in peace. And I absolutely agree. My condolences to his family. I wish them all the best. But many people have put up messages saying that for conservatives, he was that one voice that provided some kind of comfort, this idea that they weren't alone in what they were seeing. And I I understand that feeling. I see the news stories every day. I see the manipulation, the lies, and it's frustrating. It feels like sometimes we're going crazy when we just know that's not true. For many people, they said Rush Limbaugh provided that voice that made everything kind of made, make sense to them. And also it showed them that they weren't alone in their beliefs. I've never been a staunch conservative. There are some positions I probably take that are probably conservative, mostly libertarian and probably left leaning. A lot of people like to comment that they can't stand my economic policy positions. And that's a good thing. I don't want to present an echo chamber or just have people who agree with everything I say come and listen to, to me. But I will be the first to admit there probably would not be a Timcast podcast podcasting or even uh, the IRL podcast or maybe even Joe Rogan without someone like Rush Limbaugh. Interestingly, the Washington Post recently compared Joe Rogan saying, uh, to Rush Limbaugh saying that he may be the next Rush Limbaugh, which is strange when you think about the politics of the individuals. But, you know, I kind of understand it. I do. Now, right now, the news coverage of Rush Limbaugh's passing is, I mean, it's, it's, it's horrifying, actually. I saw all these stories coming out insulting, denigrating, disparaging. And I saw uh, Rush and I see the, the Twitter trends. And I don't want to say anything bad about the man. I want to say good things about him. I've never listened to Rush Limbaugh. I've never. So maybe that's a criticism for me. The left can bring up saying Tim doesn't truly understand just how how awful he was. But I've heard so much from the left, so much hatred and anger when things like this happen. In the wake of the news, I tweeted something positive. Rush Limbaugh voiced himself several times, even for a full episode of Family Guy. And I think that's amazing. Family Guy is something that regular people like. It's a pop culture reference. It's jokes. It's funny. And to regular people, seeing Rush Limbaugh as this character making fun of himself and also working professionally and essentially cordially and friendly with other staunch liberals like Seth MacFarlane. I mean, that's an optimistic scenario. Or I should say it's a, it's a situation that gave me hope that, you know, even though we really, really might not like each other, we can still get along, laugh at ourselves and move forward and we'll keep that political fight going. But of course, the left just wants to attack. Obviously, not every single one. But there was one tweet from Matt Walsh, a conservative personality, and he said, attacking those, disparaging those who have died is the exception on the right, not the rule. But on the left, it's the rule. I don't want that to be true. Unfortunately, I think he's correct. I don't want it to be true because I don't want to create content where I'm just saying, aha, you know, only one side is the bad side because they're doing the exact same thing. But I think the hard reality is, I mean, there's a tendency for this to be the case. I'm going to prove it to you. I first want to read to you good things about Rush Limbaugh, and I want to explain why. 
Jenk Uger of the Young Turks tweeted this. The idea that you say artificially nice things about people after they die is weird. I've never understood the logic of it. Rush Limbaugh was a terrible person while he was alive. He made a living by attacking the powerless. His death does not in any way change or redeem that. I think Jenk Uger is a peddler of hate. I think he generates negativity. I think his show is just outwardly mean and nasty. I understand that I've probably had my fair share of situations where I've done similarly, and I've actively been trying to avoid that as of late. I do think, however, for the past several years, I have very much tried to avoid being a nasty person. Typically, when I talk about someone like Jen Kuger, I try to at least compliment them to a certain degree because I don't want to make just this you're the bad guy, you're the evil kind of content. I recently did a segment talking about Jen Kuger where I believe he was wrong, but I praised him because he made some good points. And that's that's the idea. Now, why would we say good things about someone we don't like? Why would Tim Pool, anti-war zealot, actually say nice things about John McCain when he passed? And I did. And conservatives did not <laughs> appreciate because nobody liked the guy. Like uh, populist right and left, they really despised John McCain. But I still said nice things about him. And that's why I'm going to read nice things about Rush Limbaugh. I'll tell you why. As I mentioned, I think Cenk Uger is a, a, a hate peddler. I think the Young Turks is a network where they just try to be nasty. There are many situations where the personalities on that show have said horrifying things just to, to spit vile at other people. And don't get me wrong, there are individuals on the right who do the same thing. I'm not saying Rush did. I didn't listen to Rush. So by all means, criticism if you want to. Criticize him if you want to. But I'll tell you this. When Rush Limbaugh passes, I want his memory to inspire people to do good. As I've long said, when we look at history, we want the bad things to go away. We want the good things to remain. With someone like Rush Limbaugh, you may have very valid reasons for criticizing him. But when we look back at those who influenced our society, we want to remember them for the best of what they were, not the worst. Now, Rush Limbaugh may have done bad things. But I want to say good things about the man so that the, the people who come after us, the children who grow up, hear stories about what we should be doing instead of why we hate. I don't want to hate. I want positivity and optimism. And again, I'm not perfect, but that's why we praise people in passing. To be fair, I did see a lot of conservatives just absolutely vile behavior attacking Ruth Bader Ginsburg when she passed. And of course, I praised her. A long and storied career, groundbreaking, shattering glass ceilings, history making and inspirational. I want Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I want Rush Limbaugh. I want these individuals to inspire others. I know some people may already be saying, how dare you compare Rush Limbaugh to Ruth Bader Ginsburg? They were not on the same level or whatever. Look, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a Supreme Court justice. OK, very prominent, very powerful historical figure who did amazing things with her life. Rush Limbaugh was a conservative personality who gave his opinions and was much more bombastic. Let's be honest. I mean, he was on Family Guy doing humorous things. There is a big difference. But in terms of the influence they will have in the future, I'm not saying they're the same thing or deserve the same merit. I'm simply saying that I want people to look back at these individuals of influence, regardless of where their influence came, comes from, and recognize the good things. I don't want to prop up the negative. The Daily Mail reports conservative radio host Rush Limbaugh dies at 70, one year after announcing stage four lung cancer diagnosis. 
News of Limbaugh's death was announced by his fourth wife, Catherine, in his radio show, saying, quote, I know that I am most certainly not the Limbaugh that you tuned in to listen to today. Catherine, who was married to Limbaugh for a decade, told his viewers, I, like you, very much wish Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. Limbaugh, who pioneered the conservative media revolution, had been diagnosed with stage four advanced lung cancer back in February 2020. Days after revealing he had cancer, Limbaugh attended President Donald Trump's State of the Union, where he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom. First Lady Melania Trump presented him with the nation's highest civilian honor after her husband lauded Limbaugh as a special man beloved by millions of Americans and the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Limbaugh was one of Trump's most ardent supporters. In his first interview since leaving office, Trump on Wednesday paid tribute to Limbaugh in a phone interview with Fox News. Rush is irreplaceable, Trump said, unique. He had an audience that was massive. People, whether they loved him or not, they respected him. Despite his diagnosis, Limbaugh continued to host his radio show, which had been in national syndication since 1988 throughout much of last year. He had vowed to do his program as normally and as competently as he could while undergoing treatment. He missed only a few shows in October. In his last broadcast of 2020, Limbaugh thanked his listeners for their support as he opened up about his fight with terminal cancer. I wasn't expected to be alive today, he said. I wasn't expected to make it to October and then to November and then to December. And yet here I am. And today got some problems, but I'm feeling pretty good today. Tributes immediately poured in from high profile Republicans and conservatives, including Donald Trump Jr., who called him a true American legend, unflinchingly conservative, wildly partisan, bombastically self-promoting and larger than life. Limbaugh galvanized listeners for more than 30 years with his talent for vituperation and sarcasm. They have this old photo from Talk Radio 700 KSEV Houston. They say his radio show became nationally syndicated in 1988 and quickly built a large and committed following, making him wealthy in the process. They estimate his income, Forbes, in 2018 was $84 million, putting him only behind, behind only Howard Stern among personalities. He called himself an entertainer, but his monologues during his three-hour weekday show broadcast on nearly 600 U.S. stations shaped the national political conversation, swaying ordinary Republicans in the direction of their party. I don't want to remember people for the horrifying things they may have said or done. I don't want to remember people, uh, you know, in politics for the mistakes they made. I am not talking about atrocious monsters of history. I'm talking about powerful political figures who have influenced our country in a way that millions of people liked. There's a challenge in all of this. There are historical figures who are in politics who are just downright evil. But listen, nobody's perfect. Is there a tendency to do good? Rush Limbaugh said some bad stuff. That's my understanding. Sure. Everybody does, though. I mean, the left goes on Twitter and they say horrifying things. But was Rush Limbaugh Limbaugh encouraging people to love this country and fight for it? I believe the answer to that is very simple. Yes. Was he an an awful authoritarian desperate who was destroying the lives? No. Uh, Lives of, of, of innocent Americans? No. Political opinions can get dicey because often we find ourselves at odds with each other. And the left often accuses people on the right of being bigoted and hateful and trying to take away people's rights. And I'm sure there are many things you can criticize Rush Limbaugh for. But right now, you need to recognize that in this country, 
there, there are probably what, a hundred and some odd million, 120 million conservatives or people who at least lean that direction who respect what Rush Limbaugh had to say as a prominent American personality. But most importantly is why I bring up the family guy thing. Let me, let me show you this before I go into the news. This is important. Okay. I, I know that the, the, these, these leftists, they just want to hate. They want to post nasty stuff on Twitter and mock me for saying I loved Rush Limbaugh on family guy. He appeared in an episode called Excellence in Broadcasting. They say on the, uh, this is a Wikipedia excerpt, on the Rush Limbaugh show on September 27th, 2010, Limbaugh explained that he agreed to do the episode based on his continuing friendly relationship with Seth MacFarlane, commenting, Seth appreciates and has a great affection for professionals, and we're all professionals here. Limbaugh went on to reveal that he was in the, st- uh, the studio sound booth for three or four days at four hours at a time while recording his lines for the episode as well as for the accompanying musical number, which Limbaugh admitted to being something of a challenge. Later on his show, Limbaugh went on to criticize Fox's public relations department, following a comment by Andrew Breitbart accusing the Fox Broadcasting Company of burying the episode. Limbaugh also admitted, however, there was nothing in the script that he would want them to edit out. The show was funny. Limbaugh was uh, self-deprecating. I mean, the show essentially made fun of him to a certain degree, but it also gave him, it allowed him to express some of his more reasonable positions. It made him look like a normal guy. I have tremendous respect for Seth MacFarlane, a very anti-Trump staunch liberal, maintaining that friendship because we cannot, we cannot let the divide in this country go, grow so great that we can't recognize the good things in other people. That's what's terrifying about those villains from history's past, from from our past. They were the people that wanted to exacerbate the worst in everyone, and we criticize them for it. And this is what's shocking to me. I saw this story from The Hill. Rush Limbaugh dead at 70. I'm not going to show you what they write, and I, I'm not going I'm not going to read to you what they write. I'm not going to read to you what they what they highlight, because I'm just I'm just saddened by this. It's 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 frustrating to me when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed. There was nothing but respect for this woman from mainstream conservatives and from the left. We came together and understood the accomplishments of this woman, even when we did not agree with what she was advocating for. And I'm not saying me. I'm saying people in this country. We recognize that we may not like what they do. John McCain, of all people, warmonger. There's a lot to say about that guy that is not good. Basically, nobody liked him, but I will still say nice things about him. His passion for his country, fighting for what he believed in, because I want those ideas to persist with the next generation and within us, not the bad things. I don't want the bad things to persist. I don't want the bad ideas to to be the central point of these individuals. Don't get me wrong. These people deserve to be criticized and they should be. And we can resume criticism later on. But we want to focus on making sure the best of the best persists. Over at the Hill, they highlight a ton of tweets from people praising him. And uh, with respect, Burgess Owens says, sad to hear about the passing of Rush Limbaugh. I'm thankful for the conversations over the years and for your voice, you will be missed. Left-leaning critics of Limbaugh also reacted to the news of his death on social media, including former Democratic candidate Marianne Williamson. She tweeted, I believe in a God who is very tenderly explaining some things to Rush Limbaugh right now. Limbaugh, I assume, is very quiet and taking it all in. I respect that 100%. Marianne Williamson, I think you're awesome. Thank you so much. I think there's a lot of things I can criticize you for and you can criticize me for. But I respect the idea that Marianne Williamson, who has a negative view of Rush Limbaugh, simply says Limbaugh is now meeting a tenderly God 
who is explaining things to him. Marion Williamson saying that Rush Limbaugh is in heaven right now, speaking with God and learning from the things she think thinks that he got wrong. And then I look at some of these other messages from people that are asking him how the temperature is down there and just being all around awful. And Donald Trump did these things, too. He talked about, oh, uh, uh, it was a politician who I believe who died. or I'm sorry, a woman's husband who died. And he said he may be looking up. Yeah, I don't like any of that. Okay. It wasn't nearly as bad, to be completely honest. Trump, you know, being bombastic and being who Trump is. I've long said he needed to learn how to, you know, chill things out and calm things down. And a lot of people liked that he did that. And a lot of people liked ragging on Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I hate all of it. With respect, Marion Williamson, that was a, a beautiful, beautiful sentiment from someone who doesn't like Rush Limbaugh. And uh, I, I, you know, people then, the, the, the Hill then goes on to show a bunch of really awful things. And I, I wonder why we need that. I, I, I don't think we do. Over at Breitbart, they write this. Talk radio legend Rush Limbaugh dies at 70. I want to make sure I can stress again as we're, you know, now just passing the middle of the segment. I've not listened to Rush Limbaugh. I, I, a few things here and there passively, but I've never turned on his show. And I'm sure there's things he should be criticized for 100%. By all means, there are many things I should be criticized for. I don't get everything right all the time. But I can at least recognize why we try to respect people in death. Because it's a sad and scary thing. And we, we want to respect the feelings of others. The story from Breitbart is very straightforward. It explains he's a legend. It shows many people cheering him on. And that's it. That's it. They called him a legend. They say he passed away. It's sad. The Hill, Huffington Post, the Daily Beast, many other outlets made sure to include all of the vile, awful behavior of these leftists. You know, the Huffington Post and the Daily Beast were just nasty. The Hill included the nasty statements, and I'm glad they did because it's a it's a point that needs to be made and shown to people. When Rush Limbaugh passes, and he's widely respected and revered by conservatives, you can at least say, you know, I, I feel I, I, I feel for you. I recognize your pain. And that, that statement from Marion Williamson, I think, was an excellent way of being respectful and critical. How many people have posted that Rush Limbaugh is in hell and she said he's with God? It's beautiful. Because I don't expect her to love the man. But I, do, I, I am glad that The Hill at least showed us all of these people and the things they're saying and how awful they are, because as Matt Walsh stated, let me read you Matt Walsh's tweet. He says, I don't remember rest and piss trending in response to any prominent liberal's death. Celebrating death is a left wing thing. On the right, it is the exception. On the left, the rule. They are a death cult and they truly want you to die if you disagree with them. They really do. A bit bold, to say the least. I'm not a fan of, you know, even pushing that. But the sentiment, the idea from what uh, from Matt, it, it's true. And it's sad. Breitbart wrote this of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies at 87. This is Breitbart, Andrew Breitbart's publication, one of the most prominent conservative outlets in the country, maybe even in the world. They write Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the high court's most senior liberal justice, has died due to complications, et cetera, et cetera. The Supreme Court announced Friday evening. This is from last September. They then show the statement from the Supreme Court. They go on to mention that she had many health issues. She had twice been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Mark Meadows praises her, a trailblazer, a dedicated public servant. John Santucky, multiple sources uh, confirmed. And that's it. That's it. No scathing attack on her character. 
no uh, insults, no bragging or laughing or mocking the idea that she may be in hell. They just didn't do it. But why is it that when I go to the Huffington Post, Rush Limbaugh, bigoted king of talk radio, dies. Limbaugh saturated America's airwaves with cruelty and conspiracies. Dude, the guy just died. Can you at least say one nice thing? Over the Daily Beast, Rush Limbaugh, the human megaphone who hijacked the GOP dead at 70. Marrying shock jock bravado with incendiary right wing rhetoric, Limbaugh became AM radio host, uh, radio's most popular talk show host and took an entirely political, uh, entire political party with him. I love this one. Well, I can certainly respect the influence of Rush Limbaugh and how he influenced Republicans. I can also point out that people who never liked the Republican Party and have nothing but disdain for them are now acting shocked or angry that Rush Limbaugh in some way changed the party. One post from someone talked about how Rush Limbaugh had created the space for Trump and Trumpism and all this stuff. And I said, you never cared about the Republicans before. In fact, you hated them. You hate them just as much today. I don't think you actually care about what Rush Rush Limbaugh did to the Republican Party. I think many of these people just want to hate. They want to write their hate. They want their hate vocalized. Now, look, I don't know if it's a fair comparison. Breitbart versus the Huffington Post, perhaps. But I take a look at these articles about how Breitbart is willing to write about their enemies and or, or, or their, their political adversaries, I should say. I don't, want, I don't want to say enemies and how the Huffington Post is willing to do it. And it exemplifies what Matt Walsh said. On the left, there are people tweeting horrifying things that we see all the time. Insults, derision, just vile, vile behavior. And they don't care. There's no reason to talk to them because they don't care. These are the people who say that conservatives have no empathy. And I find that absolutely hilarious because I think the inverse is true. I certainly think there are many leftists who do have empathy, but I think for the most part, they're being driven by tribal, tribal rage. They're the ones who are saying that all conservatives want to do is own the libs and they write article after article about it. Sure, they can isolate the exception to the rule that there are many on the right who just want to own the libs. They, they, they have fun doing it. And many of, our, many of them are conspiracists and in cults. Sure. But that's the exception, not the rule. The prominent conservative base has been respectful to the left and the right in passing. And the, pro- the prominent conservative base rejected the conspiracies and the Q stuff a long time ago. But now they just demand you bend the knee to them while they insult, deride, and attack. They call for unity while they still do this. I made a tweet about Family Guy. Why? As I mentioned earlier, regular people can relate to it. And what does the left do? They use it to mock and belittle. My attempts at just saying it's cool that he did this. Who are these people? You know, I just I just genuinely wonder who these people are. I have this this story from Huffington Post. I was planning on reading it, but I just don't want to do it because now is not the time to be insulting a man who was fighting with cancer and just lost his life. And, and part of me is upset that I even have to bring up the negativity in the first place. But I'll tell you one thing. Rush Limbaugh has granted us a very important, a very important story in his passing. One last message to be sent to everybody to show you what this fight is all about. Again, never been a fan of Rush Limbaugh. Just not listen to him. Don't have anything really to say. Never was it never was an influence on me. I just did not listen to his show. But this message that's being conveyed now is important because we are we are all fighting in this culture war for the things we value most. 
Now, the left is certainly fighting for something. And I say the left as the general as the rule as the, the as a generality, obviously not everybody on the left. There are many leftists I really do like and are probably tweeting very nice things. Some of them are being critical. Marianne Williamson was critical and it was it, and it was respectful. And I, and I appreciate that. But I fight for freedom. You know, I believe in liberty. I believe in the right of the individual. And that means protecting the minority and minorities. It, it means protecting those who would be oppressed by the state. And that means certain individuals who want their human rights protected deserve it. I lean left on social justice issues, not right. And it's remarkable because the left would, would tell you that's not true, but it absolutely is. I mean, anybody who's actually listened to all of my content will recognize I'm center left libertarian. I have too many people who, who complain. They're like, you know, there was one tweet where it was really funny. It was like, Tim Pool does a great show, but man, are his economic policies stupid. And I'm like, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm glad we don't agree, but we can, you know, we can come together on the things we do agree on. So what is this space that we're in? I don't know. It's about empathy. And if you're empa- if, if you have empathy and sympathy, you want to respect other people's freedoms and right to live their lives. You also recognize there's going to be some nasty people who say some nasty stuff. And I do. And I want to point it out that the worst time to say something, you know, awful about somebody is when they pass. But this is the story I'm trying to, I'm, the point I'm trying to make with Rush Limbaugh's passing. He has given us a clear image that we can show right now. When Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes, universal respect, with the exception of many on the right. Rush Limbaugh passes, controversy, controversial. I'm fighting for a world where I can recognize that John McCain was a kind of a bad dude, but still provide the people who supported him, and many did, and his family with some chance to grieve because death is painful. It's excruciatingly painful. And not everybody's experienced it. Maybe that's the reason. Maybe many of these people on the left, maybe these, these younger people have not experienced a direct loss. Some of them maybe have. But I wouldn't wish that feeling on anybody. It's a, it's a terrifying feeling. It's, it's, it's painful. If you don't have empathy, then perhaps that's, that's what it really is. It's a sociopathy. I'm a skateboarder. Many of you probably know this. When you watch skate videos and you are watching a video of someone attempting a dangerous maneuver and they fall, you get a jolt of pain in your body. It's very difficult to watch. I don't like watching. They're called slam videos or, you know, slam compilations. You'll see a pro and they'll go for a trick and then boom, they flop on the ground. And I just feel it. Oh, I feel that pain. And I'm like, (laughs) you get a jolt. Why? It's called empathy. That feeling you get is actually used in studies to, 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 to uh, determine someone's level of empathy. When you watch someone else experience pain, do you get that feeling? When I see people mourning the loss of even Rush Limbaugh, I don't want them to hurt. I don't want people to feel pain. I've had, I've had family members die, and it is, I don't, I, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, but the, the feeling you get it's like you, you wish you had superpowers. You wish you had the ability to rip the fabric of the universe itself asunder and just force reality to be what you want, but you can't control it. You watch the ones you love pass. I don't want anybody to feel that way. I don't care if they're on the left or the right or up, down, whatever. That's why I don't, that's why I oppose the death penalty, even for some of the worst people in the world. Death is it's inevitable, I suppose. But we want to avoid it because, you know, we, we, we want to protect and respect life. And that includes people like Rush Limbaugh. 
that includes the unborn. And I understand a lot of people will challenge me on my position because I am pro-choice. And I understand that I recognize the difficult morality in these positions. And you may completely disagree or not understand. And I I respect that. And I always throw it back to the conversation I had with Glenn Beck, who's very pro-life. And we just we talked about it and we shrugged and shook hands. And I think Glenn's awesome. And, uh, uh, you know, trust me when I say it's a very difficult and complicated positions when it comes to morality. It is. There's no easy answer. But so long as we're able to have that conversation and, and discuss it, then, you know, we're better off. That, that being said, please don't lump me in with what the left is doing right now with, you know, with the, the argument between life and choice, because I, I think they're psychotic. I think what they're putting forward is just downright evil. And so here we are. I'm not surprised. Rush may have done a lot of things for a lot of people. He may have helped this country in a lot of ways. He may have hurt in a lot of ways. I think, you know, it's impossible to do anything in the public light without causing some damage at some point. And maybe some of the ideas he had were bad. But I look at a lot of people who are conservatives today and the good things they fight for, the things that I think are right. And I can respect the work Rush Limbaugh did in that capacity. Moving forward, he's left us with one last powerful message. The evil, the vile, the rage, the sociopathy that you see from these people, let it be shown. Let us see what they have to say. And please share it with your friends and family and let them know. You don't have to be a conservative. You don't have to like Rush Limbaugh. You don't have to like Donald Trump. In fact, you can despise them. You can hate them with every ounce of your being. And you can recognize why you don't say these things. You recognize humanity. So I'll stress that last point one more time to Marianne Williamson. It was a beautiful criticism. I'm, I'm, I think Marianne is awesome. She tries. You know, when she was running for president, she very much tried to avoid being one of these hate mongers. And that, my friends, is awesome. Michael Malice posted something funny, and I think this is absolutely worthy of sharing. Michael Malice is a genius. Michael, you're a genius. He said, what do you think Rush Limbaugh is saying to George Floyd right now? And I retweeted this and I laughed. (laughs) And I'm glad he did, um, because he said something simple in this troll of Twitter that Rush and George are in the same place right now. Okay. I am not a, uh, a theist, or, you know, I'm not theistic. I don't believe in theistic religion. I don't necessarily know or have any strong feelings on the idea of a heaven or a hell. But I understand those who do. And I understand the idea that they're in the same place, and you can take it for what it is. But I think, uh, you know, I appreciate Michael bringing levity to the situation. I, I retweeted it because I thought, now's the time that we can all laugh. Be, be, be presented with some kind of, I don't know. It, it's 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 a, a question that <laughs> is just going to rile people up, I guess, but it will make you laugh. I think Rush would have laughed. And to me, I view this as it's sad George Floyd passed the way he did. I don't care, you know, if you want to argue the reason or Tucker Carlson or whatever. I don't like seeing people die. And I like the idea that, you know, Rush and George are maybe up in heaven right now and they're laughing and they're like, I understand now. And that's all that matters, you know, that that there's something that we can we can we can hope for. But, you know, seeing this stuff is uh, emotional. It's sad, man. I, I, I it, it breaks my heart seeing the things the left are saying. And it, and it, and it breaks my heart seeing the things that, you know, like, like I said, the exception that the conservatives going after Ruth Bader Ginsburg, it makes me want to just. Ugh. It breaks my heart hearing about war. It breaks my heart hearing about drone strikes, about what the things that some of these groups in the Middle East have done to other people and what they do. 
And I fully recognize that if these evil people are, you know, must be stopped, then they must be stopped. I disagree with the death penalty because we've stopped them already. And now I guess we just don't want to pay for their existence, but I just don't like the idea of killing. That's, that's about it. You know, you're, you know, I'll, I'll tell you the last thing I'll say is it's, it, it, I feel like it strengthens my resolve. And, you know, I see these things on Twitter and these, these, these trends that are popping up and I don't, I don't, I don't even want to read what, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing just so you know, hashtag good riddance, disgusting, but I know, I know what I'm up against and I know what you, and you, and you know, you, you, you can see it now as well. And you can share with your friends. I believe in empathy. The reason why I believe in universal basic, basic health coverage is because I don't want to see people suffering and I'm willing to pay the extra cost to make sure they aren't suffering. And then I look at what these people claim to want, and it's just like they want stuff. They want it for themselves. I wish for a better future. I suppose I can just leave it there. Rest in peace, Rush Limbaugh. I did not know you very well nor listen to your show, but with tremendous respect to the influence you had on those who supported you and for the long and storied career and for the work you did that allowed channels like mine to exist, which may even respectfully disagree with you. I think it's all... uh you know, good. And I think we need to remember the good things and do it with the bad things. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. I'll see you all tonight at 8 p.m. at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL for the live show. Again, thanks for hanging out. I love this headline from me or how, however you pronounce the name of this website. Did CNN and NBC pay insurrectionist John Sullivan $70,000 for Capitol riot video? Internet says, shut them down. I love this, this headline because the article actually says court filings have proved CNN and NBC paid insurrectionist John Sullivan $35,000 each for his footage. Friends, this guy is facing criminal charges. Okay. Look at, look at this from Fox News. Accused left wing capital activist John Sullivan facing new charges. A federal judge ruled Monday that Sullivan will not be detained pending trial. This guy is not some random dude. He broke into the building. He was laughing about it and bragging about it. He was telling people what to do. CNN and NBC have provided hard material support to someone who was engaged in insurrection. I wonder what that means. But you know the funniest thing about all of this is, I mean, I'm assuming most of you are not surprised that they're giving money to people like this, but that if you go to, if you go to, if you Google search CNN and the name John Sullivan, how many headlines do you think you'll find from CNN pertaining to this man they paid? The answer is, well, for the most part on the first page of Google, none, none. If you Google search John Sullivan in general, guess what? You will find tons of news about this guy. Why? Because it's newsworthy. Because he is a leftist activist organizer for a group he founded called Insurgents USA. He is, I guess colloquially colloquially speaking, an Antifa leader. He runs an insurgent leftist group. I'm certain he is anti-fascist, therefore, right? Well, here's the story from Mia. They say, court documents filed by left-wing filmmaker John Sullivan's attorneys have claimed that CNN and NBC each paid $35,000 for his footage of the violence during the Capitol riot that took place on January 6th. Sullivan's defense attorney filed invoices with the court that proved CNN 
and NBC each paying Sullivan's firm $35,000 last month for the video rights to the video he filmed during the riots. So which is it? Is it proven? Well, you know, you want you, uh, let, let, my friends, CNN is in trouble. The ratings are down. The president is leaving. Apparently, like one of their anchors just quit or left is for some reason. CNN ain't doing all that well. Now that Trump is gone, they're probably sweating in their boots. They go on to say, according to the report, a federal magistrate judge allowed Sullivan to keep Twitter and Facebook accounts, but ordered him to end his involvement with a business he founded that the Justice Department says promotes and glorifies violent protests. However, prosecutors contend that Sullivan actively participated in the riot. His own videos provide evidence of that, as the footage includes him wedding people on, encouraging violence and yelling, we did this together and let's burn this ish down. Apart from that, reports also add that he is telling viewers how to make Molotovs and evade identification by police. Can we just put these things together, my friends? What does this man's business do? Teaches people how to make Molotov cocktails. CNN paid this man's business $35,000 for footage that he had as he was actively storming the Capitol and yelling to two people to be violent, to, to egg them on, to burn it down. CNN didn't hire a videographer. They just paid a terrorist for access <laughs> to his propaganda that he made. Encouraging people to turn yeah, well, anyone that they know who was involved know, in that attack. I hate it when Google when, when they do that. But anyway, let's read. He was arrested and charged last month on charges up for his involvement in the riot, including interfering with police during a civil order. At a hearing on Tuesday, February 16th, afternoon on uh, Sullivan's re- release conditions, Washington-based magistrate judge, judge Robin Merriweather said, I am rejecting the broader po- prohibition on Twitter and Facebook and encrypted social media platforms, also ordering that the Utah man be taken off of 24-hour location monitoring via GPS. At the same time, he said that Sullivan is to no longer work for Insurgents USA, will have his internet use monitored by probation officials, and will be banned from using any social media platforms to incite riots, violent protests, armed conflict, or violence. Sullivan is reportedly also under home detention. Sullivan, who describes himself as a video journalist documenting the front lines of protest happening around the world, founded Insurgents USA during the George Floyd riot last year. An online fundraiser says the group wants to build local power to enable the community to, quote, intervene in violence enacted by the state and government vigilantes. All right, well, I'll tell you what. I don't like the idea of unjust violence by the state, but I am not an anarchist, nor am I a big L libertarian. I am li- I am libertarian in general on the libertarian spectrum. But listen, my friends, in order for a society to function, police need to be able to make arrests. And if you have rogue groups deciding what is or isn't just outside of the system, well, then you just get conflict and crisis. And, I- and I'm sorry. That means that we need to hold cops accountable when they do bad. Absolutely. It means everybody needs to be held accountable. I'm sick and tired of people not policing their own group, be it police officers or activists or the media. Members of the media will will not call out their own. They will not go after CNN. Very few people, and mind you, this was interesting. Very few people actually called out CNN when Chris Cuomo faked quarantine for TV ratings. Some did. Ben Smith of the New York Times called him out. My respect. Some other journalists actually said, hey, you guys, it's like you really lied. But where's everybody else? 
There should have been universal condemnation across the board when CNN did that. There should be universal condemnation right now for CNN giving this dude $35,000. NBC too. But I'll tell you what, CNN and NBC, two of the worst. They go on to say, he had become a controversial figure around the riots as he described himself as an opponent of Trump supporting Black Lives Matter. But BLM activists in Utah have reportedly disowned him. Not like that matters. After waiting for two weeks, Twitter banned Sullivan's account. But the update about news channels paying for his footage has angered social media users with many calling out his Antifa connections. CNN and NBC paid an insurrectionist, John Earl Sullivan, $35,000 a piece for video footage of the Capitol insurrection. Sullivan just so happened to be the leader of an Antifa and BLM group, Insurgents USA, at the Capitol. What makes the media friendly to the insurrectionist? One questioned. What's happening with CNN and NBC News links to John Sullivan? Isn't he one of the insurrectionists that was paid by the aforementioned news networks? Isn't he also Antifa? All right, let's roll with PolitiFact's breakdown. He is not really Antifa because he's denied being involved. Therefore, he's not Antifa. Is that all it takes? All it takes is for you to say, I'm not Antifa, and boom, you are. Okay, well, then every person who's been accused of being right wing who says they aren't right wing, I'd love to see the articles written about that. Spare me. This guy is an active participant. CNN is collapsing. People are, are, are getting fired or leaving the company. Positions are changing. They know they're facing dire straits and they were desperate and willing to do whatever it takes. And that includes screaming about the insurrection while paying the insurrectionists. It's amazing, isn't it? I don't know if you guys saw this one. This is hilarious from Variety. CNN primetime's, primetime ratings fall back to earth in first post-Trump week. This is from February 1st. They say, while well, January 2021 will go down in the ratings record books for CNN, the last week of the month may offer a portent of what the post-Trump era will be like for the network. In the first week of the Biden administration, the AT&T-owned news channel saw the audiences that have been flooding into primetimes recently drop precipitously on January 25th or 29th, compared with the highs of the previous weeks. Meanwhile, rival Fox News Channel saw its own ratings only dip slightly after weeks of registering its own sharp declines. Another network that has been characterized as left-leaning, MSNBC, also saw significant declines. Here's the funny thing. It was Tucker Carlson, the only one who actually gained viewership across the board. MSNBC dropped. Sean Hannity dropped. CNN at, at 8, 9, and 10 p.m. dropped like by f- almost 50%. <laughs> Woo! Tucker Carlson went up. Let me show you what's going on, my friends. Let me show you Google. Do a Google search for John Sullivan. And what do you get? You get Politico. Judge refuses to ban capital protester, blah, blah, blah. Fox News accused left-wing capitalist, uh, a capital activist. WUSA 9. This man turned in his own brother. That's interesting. Did you know that? John Sullivan's brother is the one who ratted him out. Hmm. ABC 4. FBI is asking for help in identifying these participants. They mentioned Sullivan. We got more Fox News. We got actually the New Yorker. When reporting, reporting becomes a defense for rioting. John Sullivan made a habit of blurring the lines between activism, advocacy, journalism, and opposition research. Look at that. A whole article dedicated to the, the, what was wrong with the practices he was doing in the manipulation. Deseret News, John Sullivan, New York Post, uh, KSIN, uh, KSI News Radio, LA Magazine. Look at all of this news about John Sullivan. Well, my friends, I only want to learn about John Sullivan from the most trusted name in news. And all of you know who the most trusted name in news is, right? That's right. It's CNN. Check this out. If you go to Google, let me let me let me learn y'all something. You type in a phrase and then you put site colon and the website. 
What this does is they say, when you refine a search with site colon operator, Google shows results from all the indexed pages from the website you specified. To put it simply, I am only searching CNN for stories related to John Sullivan. All right, here's the first search result. John Sullivan and Giuliani uses unfounded Antifa argument. Okay. So, okay, well, maybe the second one. Biden orders investigation into Russian misdeeds. Um, okay. CNN. Roberts won't preside over impeachment trial. Okay. Uh, Trump has left, but some of his supporters. Uh, what, what is this? The, the first day of Biden's presidency, latest on Biden's presidency, two GOP senators, Elijah Cummings, Donald Trump acquitted, Trump impeachment, State Department. There's nothing. What is this? I mean, to be fair, a lot of these stories from a while ago. So let's just do this. Let's refine by the past week, I guess. Trump impeachment, Trump acquitted, Trump acquitted. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. These stories may mention John Sullivan, but the reality is some of them just reference the name Sullivan. CNN is not reporting on what's going on with this guy. Now, you look, Maybe that's the right thing, I guess, because they paid him $35,000 and uh, essentially facilitated the terror of this insurrectionist. You know what? Let me let me shout out all of those Democrat lefties posting on Twitter saying there was an insurrection in this country, a terror attack on the Capitol. Yeah. OK. All right. John Sullivan, where do you get his funding from? How is he maintaining his operations? How is he surviving? Oh. After storming the Capitol, egging people on, telling them what to do and calling for more, CNN and NBC decided to give him a total of $70,000. How many of you make $70,000 in a year? Yeah, this dude, with one day of storming the Capitol, has now made more than the average American makes in an entire year. Meanwhile, everyone else who was there, and many of these people were telling people to stop. This is the crazy thing. You see this video? There's a couple now. There's a video of a guy wearing armor. He's in the Senate chamber and he's yelling at people. Stop. Stop disrespecting the Capitol. It's not yours. You can't do this. That guy, I believe, was arrested and they're calling him a terrorist. John Sullivan stormed the building while screaming, burn it down like some lunatic. And he gets $70,000. Have you all been paying attention to what's actually going on right now? Because I tell you, man, it should be obvious how the system works, how politics only flows in one direction. My advice to all of those uh, moderate, conservative, disaffected liberal types, start doing things. It's the best thing you can do. Start doing things. Run for office. Make a, a production company. Make music. Make culture. But maybe run for office. Maybe that's something you can do. It's not going to be ending anytime soon. National Guard troops might not leave D.C. until the fall. I saw this. Somebody posted a really funny joke on Twitter. They said, the fall of what? Right. Well, the joke there is actually kind of funny, like arguing the U.S. is in serious trouble right now. And I think it is when you have one, uh, an actual insurgent, like insurgent, it's his name of his organization, telling people to burn the Capitol down and he gets seventy thousand dollars from corporate America. While everyone else, some of these people who are bumbling around confused and taking selfies with cops are being called terrorists. Wow, man. Things are, 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 are there's the, look, it's getting bad. There's a story I, I, I wanted to pull up. I'm not going to pull it up. It's this guy. Um, he was just some tenant, a young man. He's 24, a young adult, 
Uh, young, well, he's a, he's a full-grown man. He's 24. And he murdered his landlords. Why? COVID lockdown. Depression. People are committing suicide. It's not getting better anytime soon. Then we see things like this. You know, recently there's like this, there's this viral video going around. I'll probably end up covering it later where Joe Biden says what's happening in China to the Uyghur Muslims is just a cultural issue that, you know, China views things differently from us. It's shockingly insane. There's no moral uh, compass for this country. I'm sorry. There's no uh, there's no singularly accepted morality. The establishment will literally fund the terror it's complaining about. That's what's happening. CNN and NBC giving this guy money. They're allowing him to carry on more of what they claim was the worst thing ever. And we can see what happened to the lockdowns. We can see the Democrats aren't going to be legislating. They're not going to be governing. I see these people like, you know, Robert Reich or whatever, how you pronounce his name, saying things like Republicans don't want to govern. And I'm like, shut up. Of course they don't. But neither do Democrats. So spare me. Mitch McConnell's a moron. Trump just put out this letter tearing him to shreds. And what are the Democrats doing? A commission on what happened. All right. Well, in your commission, can you include the fact that CNN isn't covering John Sullivan, gave him money? That's amazing. You know what I wonder? I wonder if I can go here and change CNN to NBC and what will happen. So if you search for John Sullivan from NBC.com, uh, yeah, you don't get anything. Jimmy Kimmel, The Tonight Show. Okay, maybe that's not fair. Maybe I need to do NBCnews.com. And uh, still, that's it. NBC and CNN have not reported. In fact, some of these some of these articles are only popping up because of Dan Sullivan of Alaska not because of John Sullivan. You can see here in the impeachment trial, they mentioned John Sullivan. Where's the news, NBC? Why aren't you reporting on this guy? Oh, that's right. Because you and CNN funded him. He still has that money. Are we going to get criminal charges from for these news organizations? I mean, think about it. They bought footage from a terrorist who was able to procure this, these images by committing crimes for which he has been charged. Like I mentioned from Fox News. This is, a, this is a story from February 8th. John Earl Sullivan, the left-wing activist who was charged in connection with the riot, is facing three additional charges. He was charged last month with civil disorder, being in a restri- restricted area, and disorderly conduct. In addition to the previous charges, court documents show a grand jury indicted Sullivan on Monday with obstruction of an official proceeding, disorderly conduct in a Capitol building, and demonstrating in a Capitol building. The new charges come as a federal judge ruled Monday that he will not be detained pending his trial. Magistrate Judge Robin M. Merriweather issued the ruling saying he doesn't pose a danger to the community. They do not believe the record shows that Sullivan poses such a danger to the community that he needs to be detained pending trial. Okay, well, fine. We've got him on video saying to burn the Capitol down. Apparently, that direct call to action isn't enough to say the guy's dangerous. Fine. You know, maybe the court knows something that I don't. But what about these massive massive institutions? What about the people that are being uh, punished heavily? The people who can't get lawyers. That's the crazy thing. A lot of these people who walked into the Capitol, the cops, in some instances, opened the doors. Come on in, they said. Don't agree, but agree with your right to protest. That's what one of the cops said, something to that effect. So you have people walking in confused, taking selfies with cops, taking selfies with cops. How could anyone have known they were doing anything wrong when the door was opened for them? They walked in and a cop smiled and, and, and for, for a selfie. 
These people are now facing charges. To be fair, most of them are, I think many of them are facing misdemeanors for like, you know, unlawful entry or something. It's fine. But this guy who was an active participant in the, in the worst capacity, no, he gets paid. You know, the National Guard is going to be remaining in D.C. Meanwhile, one of the worst of the worst at the riot, John Sullivan, they've said he's, he's not a danger. He's free to go. Well, he's going to be confined, confined to his home. So I guess that's fine. I guess, look, as long as he's not on the street and they're keeping track of him, I suppose. But all that money he got. Now what's crazy, I'll tell you, I think why CNN does it. CNN's collapsing. They were so desperate to get any kind of footage to have a leg up that they, re- they, they gave $35,000 to this insurgent. Brooke Baldwin is leaving CNN. CNN. In a teary statement, uh, you know, she gave on her show, she announced she was leaving. We also have this no, story from Fox News. Former, okay, never mind, it's jumping around. Let's see if I can actually get Fox News to play the clip. No, apparently I can't. There we go. Former Andrew Cuomo aide could replace Jeff you know, Zucker. Again, I think we can all agree that there oh, is Fox CNN. News, you are awful. Will replace Jeff Zucker as CNN president, according to a report. Jeff Zucker, the president, the reality TV guy who, who did The Apprentice, he's gone. I, gotta, I had to wonder about that. Was it all on purpose? You know, Donald Trump gets elected and the guy who ran The Apprentice goes and runs CNN. And then they probably were like, hey, you, you know how to do a show about, you know, Trump. Can you get our ratings up? Jeff Zucker could. This is the desperation of these outlets. Now I want some accountability. Is, is CNN going to be censored, censured or fined or some people going to be charged in any capacity? Don't we have laws against giving money to acts, you know, to terrorists? If the Democrats and CNN are going to scream about January 6th, QAnon and the insurgents all day, why aren't they covering this? It's evil, man. The easiest way I can put it. It's evil. CNN. They're an active participant in all of this. They should not be reporting on any of it. If they're not going to cover John Sullivan, then they should not be covering any of the Capitol, uh, the Capitol riots. Conflict of interest. Of course, they'll keep doing their thing because there's not going to be accountability. I'll leave it there, I suppose. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. You may remember the story of Amy Cooper, called a Karen for calling the police on a black man after a confrontation in Central Park. As the story goes, this woman was out with her dog. The dog wasn't on a leash. This other man, whose name is Chris Cooper, and I guess they're not related in any capacity, Told her the dog has to be on a leash. And she said, you know, she argued with him. Basically, this guy, Chris Cooper, pulled out some dog treats and coaxed the dog over them and freaked out. I was like, stay away from my dog, called the police. And then the video begins. She's saying this man is threatening her and she's definitely over the top with the whole thing. Well, as many of you know, she ultimately got arrested over this. My personal opinion on the whole thing is it's really dumb. People get into arguments all the time. Shut up and go home. Bar fights happen. You know, it used to be in this country and in many places around the world. If you got into a bar fight, the cops would just say, shut up and go home. So long as, you know, you might have a black eye, a bruise, a cut or something. They'd be like, whatever, man. You guys get into a fight, you leave. Nowadays, Everything is absolutely over the top, but the crazy. Okay, so so we've gone over the gist of this story. We can we can rehash you know, who was right, who was wrong. But I'll tell you, my friends, we are watching things get worse when it comes to the cult. The cult is gaining more and more power. 
This woman was was charged. The charges were dropped. Were dropped. Oh, thanks. Thank heavens. You're saying. And they weren't really dropped, though. You see, this woman was forced to undergo a re-education therapy as to why she was a bigot. And then, only then, did they say she has served her punishment. They could have put her in jail because in this country, the idea is, you know, no cruel and unusual punishment. Instead, she underwent some kind of woke critical race equity theory re-education or training. And then once she had a breakthrough, they deemed that she was qualified or that she had done enough and that she was now free to go. Now, of course, you may be saying this woman underwent this therapy or whatever, probably didn't really believe it or cameras rolling her eyes, just like when all of you do these diversity trainings at work and you're sitting there going like, geez, these diversity trainings are awful. You still do it, don't you? That's how indoctrination begins. You think it's no big deal. Yeah, well, she went through it. She's probably just rolling her eyes and laughing about it with her friends. But the next generation of people come in and this is now the norm. You get in trouble. Well, you have to go to a therapy session, therapeutics to learn about equity. And then more and more people start to accept it as the norm and as what is expected. It reminds me of that old story about the chimpanzees and the science experiment. You ever hear this story? I think Joe Rogan talked about it. You get They put a bunch of chimps in a room and they put like a ladder in the middle of the room and they put fruit on top of the ladder. And then when one of the chimps would try and climb up to grab the fruit, They'd come out with the hose and just spray all of the chimps down. Oh, no, again, spray with water. It does not feel good. Eventually, when one of the chimps would go for the food, the other chimps would stop him like, and, and start beating him up. Dude, you're going to get a spray with water. One day, they take one of the chimps out, and they put in a brand new chimp who's never experienced the hose or the ladder. He immediately goes for the ladder to grab the fruit. The other chimps grab him, beat him up. One by one, they replace the chimps. Eventually, there is a group of chimps in this room who have never experienced, they, they, they have no idea why they can't go on the ladder. If any, if any, uh, go, they stop spraying with, uh, with water, basically what happens. And so, so later on in the experiment, the gist of it is, once this entirely new group of chimpanzees are now beating each other up, they don't know why they're doing it. There's no more hose. They stopped spraying them, but the chimps still just say, hey, that's tradition. That's a good way to understand that if we move forward in this direction, this is what you will get. You may think it's silly that this woman had to undergo this treatment. But what happens when they replace all of, uh, you know, I should say, what happens when all of us age out and die? And then our children inherit this world where the system just does this stuff. Is that what you want to leave for your kids? You know, it's a shame. So many people say, I'm just not going to have kids. I don't want them coming into this world. And it's, well, there you go. Congratulations. The world will just get worse, right? Don't we want to leave something behind that's great? We can travel the stars and develop better technologies and learn about the universe. I guess some people don't want that. And, you know, up to each their own. Here's the story. Charges against Central Park Care and Amy Cooper dismissed. Misdemeanor charges were, were, were tossed Tuesday. Against Amy Cooper, the Central Park Karen, who falsely accused a black bird watcher of threatening her after she completed a handful of therapy sessions. Now, I just want to say, I do think she was over the top with her, you know, her behavior. The guy did threaten her dog, though. Like, he didn't say, I'm going to get your dog, but he was threatening her dog. Threatening in the literal sense. Or I'd say threatening in the, uh, it's hard to describe. It is literal. You know, you don't have to tell someone you're going to punch them to threaten them. You can make other, you know, insinuations. Anyway, they say 
Cooper had faced up to a year in prison on the charge of false reporting an incident in the third degree. But a judge granted Manhattan prosecutors request to dismiss Cooper's case after she completed five therapy sessions designed for introspection and progress. Assistant District Attorney Joan Illuzzi Orban said at a brief virtual hearing, Cooper, who was white, was accused of lying to cops that an African-American man, Christian Cooper, was threatening her and her pooch. An incident caught on cell phone video in May. Christian, who is who was who no relation to Amy, was telling the woman to leash her dog. Psychoeducation about racial equity is woven into each therapy session to prompt understanding and reflection. Elazi Orban told the judge of Amy Cooper's time with the Critical Therapy Center in Manhattan. The Critical Therapy Center, psychoeducation on racial equity. They sent the woman to a re-education center. They're calling it a center. They are educating her. This is happening. Mrs. Cooper's therapist reported that it was a moving experience and that Miss Cooper learned a lot in their struggle session. I added the word struggle in their sessions together. You know, a struggle session is back in the culture revolution in China. They take people who did not agree with their cult ideology and they would shame them and scream at them in public and make them feel awful. Well, regular people, the, the, the previous generation, I should say, didn't want to experience that. So they just did as they were told. They bowed down and said, please, I'm such a pathetic coward who is not willing to sacrifice anything. I just want comfort. Too many people in this country do the same thing. I know the communist Chinese murdered and massacred hundred, hundred plus million people. Don't get me wrong. My, my ire is more directed at people in this country who would just say no. You know what I would have done if I was this lady? Well, first of all, she shouldn't have freaked out the way she did. But come on, you're really going to take it this far? Tell everyone to shut up and go home. Why did this story get any traction? But if and, and I'll put it, I'll put it this way, you know, look, if I acted a fool and got caught on camera, I'd probably just accept the responsibility. Of being, you know, and maybe that's what she's thinking. If anyone ever came to me and said, you can go to prison or you can go to the reeducation center, I would say, shove it. I'd actually say something more explicit than that. But, you know, lock me up. I don't care. I'm not bending the knee to your your, your psycho cult. Amy Cooper asked by the judge if she wanted to speak and reply, and she replied no. Her lawyer also declined to talk, saying he agreed with the prosecutor's assessment. Christian Cooper had refused to cooperate in the prosecution, saying Amy Cooper already paid a steep price following global outrage over the incident. I actually respect that. I mean, the dude filmed her. They had an argument. And then he was like, dude, she like, she's already getting roasted, man. So that's respectable. Sylvia Dacevici founder and president of the Critical Therapy Center, told the Post on Tuesday that generally therapy as described in Amy Cooper's case is not part of a program in the, in the traditional sense. For example, you don't attend a class with other people. It's actually individualized psychotherapy sessions. The sessions are tailored to each individual person based on the issues they need to work on. Let's use this as an example. If someone has issues with racism or sexism or homophobia or so forth, we actually do a critical inquiry into the person's beliefs and what brought them to that place? It's the person meets the political, she said. The political? The political. What does that have to do with a punishment for filing a false report? Well, welcome to the cult, my friends. The, the, the director asked whether clients have to talk to those they wronged as part of the therapy. Ideally, that would be great. But it's up to the person who was wronged, she said. If you were the victim, you would decide what you would like the healing process to look like. Dutch Avicii 
while declining to comment on Amy Cooper's case at the center, has gotten referrals for therapy from city prosecutors before. Elazi Orban said in the court that the diversion program Amy Cooper completed with Manhattan Justice Opportunities was a punishment that was consistent with other misdemeanor cases. Noting Ms. Cooper's lack of criminal background, the ADA said, we offered her consistent with our position on many misdemeanor cases involving a first arrest and alternative restorative justice resolution designed not to punish, but to educate and promote community healing. Restorative justice. My friends, it is happening all around you. It is only getting worse. There will come a time where your transgression will be legitimate, uh, will be illegitimate, and they will force you to undergo critical race equity training, re-education centers. These were things of myth. They were jokes. I mean, not, not of myth, like we knew they existed, but not here, not in the United States. You committed a crime, you get arrested. You told someone a naughty thing, they told you to shut up. Here we are. I want to make sure you understand something. I have this tweet from Jack Posobiec. This is actually pretty funny. Jack Posobiec quoted this user who said that essentially alluded to the fact that Jack had no evidence. Chris Cooper threatened this woman. So he said, you know, Jack initially tweeted something like, what about the Facebook post from this guy, Chris Cooper, Christian Cooper, where he did admit to threatening the woman's dog. Someone said, there's no such post. You're a liar. Jack then posted the Facebook post and the individual deleted their tweet. But here's the post. Christian Cooper said, Central Park this morning, this woman's dog is tearing through the plantings in the ramble. Me, ma'am, dogs in the ramble have to be on a leash at all times. The sign is right there. Right away, this dude's being a Karen. She's minding, like, look, you mind your own business. All right. Is it really that big a deal? There's a dog romping about in the ramble. So this guy had to just stick his nose in someone else's business, right? Her, the dog runs our closed. He needs his exercise. Me, all you have to do is take him to the other side of the drive outside the ramble and you can let him run off the leash all you want. I mean, to be fair, he is right. Not only that, she could easily get one of those retractable leashes. She could have done that. Her, it's too dangerous. Me, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. Her, what's that? Me to the dog. Come here, puppy. She says he won't come to you. We'll see about that, says Chris Cooper. And now here's a quote from him. I pull out the dog treats I carry for just such intransigence. I didn't even get a chance to toss any treats to the pooch before Karen scrambled to the dog to grab the dog. Don't you touch my dog. That's when I started video recording with my iPhone. And when her when her inner Karen fully emerged and took a dark turn. Now, let's be honest, Christian, for the most part, is not the bad guy here. This Amy Cooper really was off the off the rails. I mean, in the video, she's like pulling her dog and it's like really awful. Like, dude, take care of your dog. Don't don't yank on the you know, she's like grabbing the dog and dragging it around or whatever. And it was pretty brutal. So I don't think she's I don't think there's for the most part good guys in this story. Some are more guilty than others. Chris didn't do it like that much wrong, but he did try to coax the dog away with treats. If somebody did that and I had a dog, I'd freak out, too, because people will give like, listen, what if the dog's allergic? What if he's trying to give the dog chocolates? You don't know what he's trying to give him. You know what, man? You know that dogs can't have grapes, onions, garlic, avocado, chocolate. There's a lot of things dog can't, dogs can't eat. And a lot of people don't know this and feed this stuff to their pets. So if somebody pulled out food, tried to give it to my dog, I'd freak out too. But I don't care about all that. Chris Cooper made, the, made a good point. She already paid the price, man. She got roasted online hard. Re-education centers are upon us. And if you think it's not going to affect you, if you think, well, I'm not going to commit a crime, so I won't have to go into re-education, it's not about you. 
It's about your kids and the next generation. You think this is bad? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the Daily Mail. New York principal sends parents pamphlet asking them to rate their whiteness and urging them to be white traitors who dismantle institutions. Mark Fetterman, the principal of Eastside Community High School, reportedly sent the documents to all parents at the school. The cult is expanding. These psychotic, dogmatic individuals, they're winning. You know, man, there's a threshold. I will always stand up for uh, my principles, liberty, freedom, the right to express yourselves. And I will always oppose psychotic neo-racism, racism, and identitarianism. But there's a threshold where eventually they gain so much power, our ideas become irrelevant. You ever, you ever read, uh, you ever see the movie I Am Legend with Will Smith? It's a terrible movie, mind you. Uh, uh, maybe it wasn't that bad. The, 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 the graphic novel, way better. Okay, uh, admittedly, I did not read the graphic novel. I was just talking to somebody who was explaining the general concept of what I Am Legend is about. So I did skim through it for the most part, but I, I didn't read through the whole thing. The general idea that was not conveyed in the movie is this. Or uh, whether this is a big part of the, uh, uh, the novel or not, there's a really interesting idea in the phrase, I am legend. There's a period where the majority believes what you believe, and you're just a normal person, same as anybody else. But as the cult ideology spreads, eventually you become the outcast. You become that, you know, the, the outlier, essentially. Eventually, society is nothing but woke individuals. And if you want to function within it, you must be like them. I am legend. You have a guy who's hunting vampires and killing them in there in, in, in the middle of the day when they're sleeping to wipe out the vampire plague. Also trying to cure them, I guess. That's what, the, that's, that's what it was in the movie. But eventually, everyone becomes a vampire. The vampires eventually capture this man. He's sitting in a jail cell, you know, looking out this window down at all of the, the vampire citizens who look up at him with in, in fear. Why? If 99% of people are regular people, and, and let's say 99 out, of 100, 99 out of 100 people, it's regular people, and there's one vampire, and that vampire is killing people, well, they fear the legend, they fear that vampire. What happens when the vampire turns 99 people, and there's only one regular person left hunting them down? To the vampires, he was the mythical creature, the one who had the ability to walk in the sunlight and would kill them in their sleep. They feared him. He was now the legend. It's amazing, isn't it? That's what's happening. That's the threshold. The, the ideology of the cult mob is, is taking over. They control the cultural institutions. And they say anybody who opposes it is far right. And you know what? The international institutions, mega corporations, they love it. It gives them power. They love the cult. They feed into it. They pay for it. They fund it. Mackenzie Bezos, billions of dollars dumped into the cult. It's happening. Will it win? Well, I'd say for now. They've taken the battlefield, especially with Joe Biden, who is definitely woke and the far left pushing all of the stuff. You can argue that Joe Biden is not a socialist, but he's certainly woke. He's certainly pushing critical race theory, probably doesn't even understand what it is, to be honest. Trump didn't understand what it was either, but still had some people working to ban it in government. And all of this critical race theory stuff is an absolute violation of the 1964 Civil Rights Act, as is this action right here. Depending on what Amy Cooper was told in the therapy session, 
it may have well uh, may very well have been a violation of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. But these people have taken power to such a degree they're openly violating the law and nothing will be done about it. Take a look at this story. They say the eight white identities graphic includes a colored meter ranging from red to green, indicating that those who identify in tiers, including white supremacists, are bad, and those who identify as white abolitionists are good, targeting someone based on a race. But what they do is they argue white isn't actually a reference to race, it's a reference to institutional authority. That's how they try to bypass the law. And it works sometimes. They say it was not immediately clear if the documents were intended solely for parents or for them to discuss with their children. But here it is, the eight white identities, white supremacist, white voyeurism. Look at white privilege is is one degree separated from white supremacist. Do you see what they do? White privilege. Then they have white benefit, white confessional, white critical, white traitor and white abolitionist. They say, quote, there is a regime of whiteness and there are action oriented white identities. People who identify with whiteness are one of these. It's about time we build an ethnography of whiteness, since white people have been the ones writing about and governing others. Amazing. Well, uh, depending on what I say, I'm either white or not white. It's a, it's the, it's the hilarious paradox of the cult. I've, I've mentioned this many times, but you know, during Occupy Wall Street, I would have people say to me, you're white, so you don't get a say. And then when I point out, actually, Tim Pool is mixed race, they go, oh, I'm so sorry. Tell me whatever, and I'll do whatever you say. <laughs> These people were racist. The most racist people I've ever encountered in my lives, in, in, in my life, in my lives, you know, in my life. I've not uh, uh, encountered such extreme racism before. Uh, there, there have been people like my home was vandalized when I was a kid by white supremacists, but actually encountering this, it's crazy because I've actually encountered some like legit hardcore racists. But even the racists that, that I've talked to, like uh, I've, I've, I've debated with people who are alt-right, interviewed some of them. They at least still recognize, you know, go do your thing. We don't want to have anything to do with you if you don't, if you know, just get get away. I'm not saying every single uh, white supremacist and racist, don't get me wrong. There are a lot of them that are extremely fascistic and literal Nazis, and that's that's horrifying. I'm saying I've not encountered them going to these political rallies. The people I met at Occupy Wall Street and the critical race theorists are, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. They're hardcore racist, and it's absolute. Do as you're told or else. The thing is, though, I'll tell you what's weird. You know, I, 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 I was talking recently with a friend about the diversity and equity trainings they do. And I had a friend saying, saying that they play this video, they make you watch it, and then they talk about stereotypes about various races and why it's wrong. And I was thinking to myself, says who? Says who? So here's what, here's what I was wondering. If you're at work, let's say you're Asian, Latino, black, just mixed race in any capacity or Slavic, because apparently the, the coalition of communities of color say Slavic is not white. So let's say you're watching this diversity and inclusion video, and they say it is a stereotype that all Asians are good at math. Well, if you're Asian, get offended by it. Accuse the company of racism, right? Like what would happen if I was sitting there because I had a friend telling me this, what they did. They said, here are some common stereotypes that are wrong. And what, what would happen if I saw this and they said Asians is a stereotype that to say Asians are good at math? And then I got offended because it is, I believe, statistically true. I could be wrong, um, but I'll put it this way. My family, particularly studious and proud of the hard work that, that they did in teaching their children to be good at math. 
My mother tutored me in math before I even started kindergarten. So how dare you say it's not true? What are you trying to imply? We're bad at math? It's a stereotype? You're claiming that if someone says we're good at math, it's, it's racist? You bigot. You think we're dumb? You get the point. The point is, no matter what someone says, that under this cult ideology, you are always wrong, no matter what. So if someone plays the video, I'll tell you this. They're never going to get rid of the video, but they can at least push the video to absurdity, I suppose. I think it's insane that we would put people in a room and then tell them all of the racist things about people. And then and then it's bad, but here are all the racist things. Why would you do that? And what if I complained it was discriminatory, that they made me sit there? It was humiliating. They were talking about Asians and, and people were laughing and giggling. And it was, oh, I, I, and then sue for discrimination. The problem is under this ideology, I understand that, you know, people want to do better. And that's why there's a vulnerability because people don't like racism. But under this ideology, there is no way to be right. No matter what you do, you are wrong. In the end, it's just control. And if the system is always, it's set up in a way that you are wrong, no matter what you do, they will always have the power. You will go to the re-education center when you commit an infraction and they will re-educate you and it'll only get worse. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe things get better. Uh, Look, I'm not a psychic. I'm just telling you it's worse now than it was before. Sending this lady to a re-education therapy session, that is as creepy as it comes. These schools sending out these white identity cult things, it's a cult. Stop acting like it's not. Oh, sure. I know. I can already hear the left saying, yeah, well, Trump supporters are in a cult. Sure. The Q people who believe all this crazy stuff. Yeah, I don't get Absolutely. They believe crazy stuff because of some online forums. Yep. The wokeness stuff. That's a cult, too. Same thing. You believe in saying garbage. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.